Welcome into the Jaguars Broadcast Week Interview Podcast presented by TIAA Bank. J.P. Shadrick with you on Friday, February 25th. We have the best of the week on Jaguars.com and Jags Broadcasting, including NFL Network analyst Bucky Brooks on how the NFL scouting combine has exploded in popularity. Plus, head coach Doug Peterson explains the process of hiring his coaching staff. Renew now, roar later. The time is now to renew your 2022 Jaguars season tickets. Season ticket members who renew by March 4th will also be entered to win one of 54 scratch packs. They contain prizes ranging from signed merchandise, exclusive access to events at TIAA Bank Field, and even a trip to the 2022 NFL Draft in Las Vegas. Let's begin this week with the Jaguars coaching staff. Head coach Doug Peterson sat down with Jeff Lagerman and me in an interview that dropped Monday on Jaguars.com. It was a preview of the Doug Peterson show coming up on radio this fall. We got into Peterson's process of hiring his assistant coaching staff in such a short amount of time. When did you begin on the coaching staff, and what's, what's been the most difficult part? Well, I, the, the most difficult is actually getting your staff in here. Um, but I actually started the legwork about a month probably prior to the end of the regular season. And, and of course, it carried into the postseason and, and through the interview process and everything. And, you know, you kind of have an idea. You kind of want to have an idea of your coordinators and, and who they might be. But at the same time, you know you've got you got a process to go through, right? And, and, and so for me, it was about identifying the men that I wanted, you know, I wanted to surround myself with who thought like me, who taught like me, who – had the same energy level like me and and um you know so putting that together early at least having an idea um really helps out and then and then you kind of fill in the pieces once you're once you're hired you just start filling in the pieces obviously the the the, the previous staff you know there's a lot of a lot of good coaches there and you find the ones that that uh, that fit again fit me and and in my my philosophy and my style and then really i guess these last two weeks the challenging part is getting the staff in here who I just hired my last one like a day ago and and we have to evaluate the the current roster we have to go through and 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 make our I mean even though it's been done I need I need my coaches to put their eyes on our players and then on top of that we need to start looking at the free agent guys and then on top of that we got the combine around the corner so these these next few weeks really um, are challenging from the, and then we're putting in our schemes on top of that so there's there's many layers of this onion that we're peeling back um, and that's the most challenging at, at this time well so much work to do I mean obviously it's got to be critical to have people on the staff that you know and that you trust but at the same token it's also important that you have sometimes differences of opinions and different thoughts isn't it to have a staff truly be able to to be at its best I think that's a great point because, you know, I, I could have easily hired guys I worked with in Philly. You know, I could have filled out the entire staff that way. But, you know, I just knew if if given a second opportunity to be a head coach in this league, I wanted to I wanted to kind of think outside of the box. I wanted to get, as you say, I wanted to get guys with new ideas, guys that, um, you know, come from different, you know, uh, different backgrounds, you know, learn different systems, offense and defense, and not just not just my system because I think – in order for all of us to grow, I, I want to hear what a what a Jim Bob Cooter has to say. You know, I've never worked with him before, and but he he he's been a coordinator in this league, and Mike McCoy's been a former head coach and a coordinator in this league. So, you know, so I, I just and, and and 
you know, even even Phil Rauscher on offense with the line. I mean, I've I've never worked with him, but you hear great things about these people, and you vet them out, and you interview them. And, um, and for me, it was thinking outside the box and 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 getting the right guys more more than anything else. You know, uh, for the Jacksonville Jaguars. How easy was it to attract? Because you're it's a competitive environment. You know, there's multiple openings as far as across the league with all the different head coaches that have been hired. How attractive was the jobs as far as attracting the guys to come here to work for you, not only from the franchise standpoint and your standpoint, but also, hey, it's Jacksonville. You know what? That, that, that was almost the easiest thing because you, you talk about it when, when they just look at the team and, and quite honestly, the, the youth of the team, obviously the, the, everything is surrounded by the quarterback, right? And, and, and there's a level of excitement with the quarterback position and, and, and everybody, even the defensive guys are like, hey, that's, that's the guy that can take this, this team over the hump and kind of kind of break through the barriers that have, that have kind of, I don't want to say plagued this organization, but it's, it's been challenging for, at times. And, and, and then, and then when, you, when you really dive into the roster, um, the guys get a little more excited about the, about the youth that are here and, and the guys that they're working with. But, you know, living in Jacksonville, you're, 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 you know, 20 minutes to the beach, you're great weather. Um, you know, that's, and, 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 and I'll be, I'll be honest with you. A lot of guys, they do want to work for Doug Peterson. I'll just, just throw it out there because of the success we had in Philadelphia. And I'm not one to boast or anything like that, but, but that was something that a lot of these guys wanted to do the good things they heard, you know, about me. And so obviously that puts pressure on me to, to be a good guy, but at the same time, um, we want to win, and we're all we're all you know um, motivated and eager to get going to flip it around. The full interview with Doug Peterson available on Jaguars.com. In a moment, defensive coordinator Mike Caldwell explains his path to becoming an NFL defensive coordinator. This is the Jaguars broadcast weekend review. Welcome back to the Jaguars broadcast weekend review podcast presented by TIAA Bank. Let's continue with the Jaguars coordinators this week. There were two editions of the Ozone podcast, starting with defensive coordinator Mike Caldwell with senior writer John Osier. Caldwell explained his path from playing in the NFL to coaching in the NFL. Now, when you were playing, uh, was coaching something you wanted to do? Was it always in the back of your mind or how, it, how did that start? Really, uh, it wasn't. Coach Reed had asked me one time on a practice field, if you once you're retired, if you want to coach, come talk to me. I'd like, there's no way in the world I coach. <laughs> and then it ended up, uh, I have three kids, and my oldest daughter, I was coaching her co-ed basketball team. Okay. And I just got the bug there, did the minority internship, loved it, and I've been coaching ever since. Now, your relationship with Doug, did you – I guess you guys never talked about coaching, never really talked about that when you were together uh, when you played, right? Yes, not until we were together coaching. Okay. What was it that appealed to you about coaching? Why this path? It was when I did the internship, just getting back around the guys, being able to instill my knowledge onto the players. And from there, it was just natural. I consider myself a teacher and – just being able to go out there and teach younger guys and that you've been through the same position they're going through and just help them understand the game and help them grow as players and people. Now, what did Andy Reid say he saw in you that made you him believe that? I don't know what he saw, but uh, he, we, we, <laughs> we, I was stretching and he came in and he, the question came up to me and I was kind of caught me off guard. 
But uh, you said no way I want to work as hard yeah, as you, yeah, coach, no, right? No way. All those long <laughs> hours, and I was like, you know, after getting into it, uh, if it's something you love, it's really not work. And I love coaching, so it works out good. What is it about uh, Doug Peterson that inspired confidence to make this move for you? Really, just uh, knowing Doug as a player, then also as a young coach, and seeing his passion, the intelligence. When you're quality control, you kind of get a feel of the whole organization mm-hmm. and we both were in that position so being able to sit there and talk to him late nights and just understanding that his vision and then seeing what he did in Philadelphia it was just the opportunity for me that you know no-brainer what is uh Todd Bowles meant to your career he's been a great influence um not only Todd but Jim Johnson um John Harbaugh just mm-hmm. different different people throughout my career have been great influence but Todd specifically it's really uh when he got to Philadelphia with me, it was we saw things similar, okay. not always alike, but very similar. And his approach to the game, as far as pressure packages, which Jim also uh, was really fond sure. of. Yes, yeah, so just uh, being able to understand that when you're on defense, you're able to dictate to the offense. It's mm-hmm. always a plus for you. Osher also caught up with offensive coordinator Press Taylor, who explained how the offensive coaches will come together. About your staff, what do you like about the makeup, uh, Jim Bob Cooter and right. and the rest? Uh, you know, I really like just kind of the mixture of personalities and philosophies that are coming together. Now, there is a lot of guys we have some sort of tie, some way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. Kind of as we get into this, we all figure that out. Um, but it's going to be a lot of different ideas, a lot of people that – from from the week we've been together, it's kind of I would say generally the group is low ego, high output. We're mm-hmm. getting a lot of work done early on in the week, when a lot of people don't really seem to care who's going to get the credit for anything. Everybody just wants to contribute, and that's that's really what you want to be around. You know, we spend a lot of time together, work a lot of hours, and so when you're around guys that get along really well, but have a lot of fresh ideas and keep things fun, and exciting, and creative, um, that's something that makes it fun to come to work every single day. You mentioned there's a thread, a lot of connections, if you will, with Coach Peterson and uh, with each other. How important do you anticipate that being uh, maybe the uh, knowledge you have going into it? I think that's a big part of it. Obviously, Coach Peterson and I can speak the same language, having mm-hmm. been in the same offense for five years. Um, and then, you know, Andrew Briner's even a guy that worked with us for a year there. Nick Williams worked with us there. So we can speak the Philadelphia Eagles language. Um, and then really one of the ties is kind of Peyton Manning where Mike McCoy's worked with Peyton Manning Jim Bob Cooter's worked with Peyton Manning Frank Reich had worked with Peyton Manning Frank was with us in Philly mm-hmm. so we can all, myself Mike McCoy Jim Bob Cooter we can kind of speak a certain language based on what I did in Indy and what those guys had been familiar with with Peyton uh, so there are some unique ties that kind of bring people together and as long as we can initially speak the same language we can work well together and then we'll come up with what our language is so we're all on the exact same page as we move forward now, is that a case of uh, two philosophies coming together, or are they pretty like philosophies, that Colts-Manning thing, if yeah. you will, and the Peterson thing, if you will? I would say they're, they're, they're similar enough in, in terms of the way we operate in the pass game and things like that. Now, there's obviously things that are unique or mm-hmm. uh, specific to one certain philosophy, but we'll kind of combine, figure out what is best for us, what is best for our players to put them in position to succeed as we continue to build this thing. How important do you think it is with uh, Doug still having uh, uh, play calling responsibilities, you, as you said, knowing his language, knowing exactly what he wants, I assume there won't be a whole lot of uh, learning curve where he's looking at you saying, what did you mean by that? Right. And, and that that is something that having familiar, familiarity with one another um, 
it's important. We have a great relationship already coming into this thing, but it's important we're in lockstep. Mm -hmm. As we kind of do the legwork throughout the week for him and prep him each single day on, hey, this is how we got to here. This is how we envision this. If if he and I are not having great communication, it's going to show up on the field. And so the relationship we already have previously where we in, we enjoyed working together and we were able to see things the same way, I think mm-hmm. that's going to go a long way in terms of uh, being able to build build out his vision. Kind of a silly first day of school question, if you will, but describe your offensive philosophy. You know, it's funny. We we were talking about this as an offensive staff is kind of we get into our identity and philosophy and and – it's not going to be the old school where West Coast offense, mm-hmm. the Bill Walsh West Coast offense, where this spread offense, where the, the you know all the different versions of triple op, triple option, all those types of things. I don't know that you'd have a name for it. Um, at the end of the day, we want to be efficient. We want to be explosive. So whatever that looks like to us, we want to we want to be able to score touchdowns when we're in position to score touchdowns. If that is running the ball, throwing the ball screens gadgets Mm -hmm. whatever that is we want to be able to do that as long as it puts our players in the best position to succeed and maximize their abilities that's really what we want to do both ozone podcasts available on the jaguars official podcast network on jaguars happy hour radio thursday the conversation continued jeff logeman and i discussed the need for a single vision for the jaguars franchise quarterback yeah there's a lot of a lot of people around the quarterback in this coaching staff, right? The OC, passing game coordinator, quarterback coach, assistant quarterback coach, oh yeah, and the head coach. Uh, but they got to have that one language, as Press Taylor said there, and it seems like they're pretty confident they can get that together among the, the coaches who've had some history together. Well, and I think the focus is obviously making Trevor Lawrence be the best that he can be, but, but when you have that many proven entities – because a lot of those guys are proven entities. You have to make sure and ensure, Doug Peterson does, to make sure that it's not too many voices trying to speak to Trevor Lawrence. Because when you start to have, you know, the old saying, too many chefs in the kitchen can ruin a meal. I mean, I think that is true. I think that's very true. And you need to make sure that you have, I don't want to say the one voice, but you have to have one voice speaking to him. It can't be... And it's not one person, so per se, but it's one voice as far as everybody has to be on the same page. And you do not do not want to have five different coaches that are trying to mentor Trevor Lawrence. That's that's just not good. It's just too much. So I think it will be. A, I don't want to say it'll be a little bit of a challenge. I think it, Doug will make sure that that does happen. But it is nice that they have so many different people with the experience level that they have. That I don't think there's any question that this will be an offense that will utilize the personnel that they have and will be creative in a lot of different ways in utilizing that personnel because there is a wide range of experience, Press Taylor being one of the most inexperienced, but he's got a lot of great guys that he can really kind of lean on mm-hmm. to be a first-time offensive coordinator. Jaguars Happy Hour Radio airs Thursday at 4 o'clock on 1010XL AM and the Jaguars' social media accounts. When we return, a look at the Jags' situation at number one overall. Plus, the franchise tag deadline is right around the corner. And NFL Network analyst Bucky Brooks explains how the Combine's growth has changed the scouting approach for some organizations. All that after this. Jags fans, fill your wallet with one debit card that screams Duval exclusively from TIAA Bank. 
The Jacksonville Jaguars Visa Debit Card comes with a fierce look and fantastic features so you can pay with pride wherever you go. And it's yours free when you open a Yield Pledge checking account. Up your financial game today. Visit a financial center near you or find us at TIAABank.com slash JagsCard. TIAA Bank is a division of TIAA, FSP, member FDIC, and the official bank of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Welcome back to the Jaguars Broadcast Week in Review podcast presented by TIAA Bank. And the Daily's play schedule is heating up for the spring and summer. A few highlights, of course, Tim McGraw, May 5th, Erica Badu with Ja Rule and Goody Mob, May 6th, the Lumineers, May 18th, two full nights of the Dave Matthews Band, June 6th and 7th. The full schedule and tickets, if they're on sale, available at dailiesplace.com. I had a chance to fill in for Ashland Sullivan on Jags Drive Time Tuesday morning. Brian Sexton, John Osier, and I got into a discussion about the number one overall pick and how the franchise tag deadline could or could not change the thinking about what the Jags could do in late April. It's so hard to project, guys, and that's what we have to do all this all this time. But I just think that's the thing you got to be careful with when they make that pick on you know April twenty eighth. Oh, they didn't pick the position I wanted. They've got to get the guy right and in the position later. I like Neil. I like his his athleticism. I have no problem with the concept of uh, of left tackle. I just want to make sure he's great. I um, I'm sure you guys get it too. You know why won't they trade down? Why would they stay there? And and I'm not sure if people who don't follow this as closely as we do understand. You, you got to have two sides. Someone's got to want to come up. You realize they're but seven. in Madden, what you do, Brian, is, uh, is you and hit I don't play a. Madden. I don't, you, I, you hit A. I know. And there's a trade. I don't. And that's I, cool. I don't play Madden, <laughs> so right, well, I, I don't know. But but I'll, I'll catch up. You've got four offensive tackles and three defensive ends that are probably going in the top ten. So why would somebody give up a, a king's ransom right. to come to number one when they can stay right where they're at at number seven, or or somebody at number fifteen can go to seven and it costs them less? It there's just not that compelling, you know, let's trade up mentality. So yeah, if no you're going if you're going to stay there, and it, in all likelihood they are. You're going to have a choice between one of these guys who is an elite-looking athlete, elite-looking player. I say looking because they got to come do it at this level. There have been a lot of guys that have been outstanding numerically and on college tape that haven't translated. And obviously, you know, whatever happens with Cam Robinson will, will come into play here. He was on the franchise tag last year, just over $13 million. That bumps up if you're franchised a second time. I believe the the, the offensive line is like 16 17 yeah. million this year. It's, yeah. it's a big number. So, and the deadline for that is March 8th. We'll have a better idea of what they're really thinking at tackle. That could obviously change what happens in the draft then. And here's what's fascinating about that, though. I have no idea if they're going to franchise Cam or not. Right. Um, it's certainly a viable option if they do it. But even if they don't, you really haven't solved the question of if, you know, in a lot of years you would say, well, if, if they don't bring Cam back, they're automatically going to uh, draft Evan Neal. But you have Walker Little. That's correct. Who conceivably they just took in the second round last year. So if they let Cam go, they could still have options at the top of the draft because if, if they go past rusher, then you say we're going to uh, plug Walker Little in. He's our guy. He played well the last two games. This is the strangest thing to analyze, the Jaguars' offensive line right now, because there are more moving parts on this position in these few weeks than any uh, position analysis that I've ever covered on this team. And they won't, there's such a new staff, and they haven't been able right. to get their hands on the right. guys that are here yet. So they, they haven't time. seen that in, in person yet. Well, and Doug and, and all the coordinators said, it's just too early to tell what, kind, what your scheme's going to be, what your line's going to look like, how you're going to play defense until they have more time 
to see what they've got. Jags Drive Time airs Tuesday at 10 a.m. on Jaguars.com and the Jags social media accounts. In a moment, NFL media analyst Bucky Brooks on the growth of the NFL scouting combine. This is the Jaguars Broadcast Week in Review. Welcome back to the Jaguars Broadcast Week in Review podcast presented by TIAA Bank. Let's wrap the week with NFL Network analyst Bucky Brooks. He joins us each week on the Huddle Up podcast. And with the NFL scouting combine looming next week in Indianapolis, we got into a conversation about what this week means for the NFL and how it has grown over the years. It's a big week because this is the official handoff from last season to this season. For most of us NFL fans and those around it, it's the first time that we begin to get familiar with some of the top college players as they kind of transition up to the National Football League. So we begin to kind of see the names. Guys are beginning to kind of peruse the Internet, looking at highlight packages. You're trying to figure out which players or names are going to be associated and tied to your best to your, your, your favorite team. Yeah, this is a major stage. And since the National Football League has made it a TV event, it has really become a very prominent event. You know, it was years ago, as, as you guys can attest, the combine used to just kind of take place in that mysterious place of Indianapolis. There were no cameras there. It kind of took place in a quiet stadium. No one saw it, no highlights. You barely got the times. And then they put it on TV. And then from the NFL's perspective, it was, you know, we need to make this a primetime event. We need to make it a TV event. And persistence paid off. It is now a TV event that is on display Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday at night. Primetime hour, quarterbacks go first. It used to be the offensive linemen and all those guys that people don't necessarily get excited about. Well, now the first night, Thursday night, it's like your quarterbacks and your pass catchers. And we like, so the offense sells tickets, Bucky. What I do you mean, want? The league, the league has done a great job of not only making this event uh, big, but they've made the league calendar where every month there's something. The National Football League dominates the headlines 12 months a year. And it's not, cl- I mean, it's not even close. It is crazy. Yeah. I was fortunate or unfortunate, as it were, uh, either one, to be uh, working for the Indianapolis Colts when they first went from secret combine, I would call it, to televised com- combine. And, Bucky, you might be able to attest to this. I thought Bill Polian's head was going to explode. Oh yeah. The idea, the, the <laughs> idea, and you know, I, Bill, will be the first to tell you, it was a football centric. This is about football. It's going to ruin it. He knew it was coming, and he knew there was no way to avoid it. But the old school football guys didn't like this move at all. Uh, I guess it's a precursor, Bucky, to asking you. Um, does the televised aspect of it, I know the positive, everybody would tell you, you very rarely have guys who don't run at the combine now, or you have, you have mm-hmm. far fewer. So it had that huge benefit for the football people. Has there been any negative to it? Or, I mean, is it harder to scout? You've done the behind the scenes stuff. Is that trickier or are they managed to keep that the same? Is it still beneficial to scouts? You know, John, like what's been crazy, like scouts are all, uh, up in arms at the beginning of it. Like, oh my God, TV, you're turning into this event. It's not, it's losing the purity of it. It has now become such a deal where you've had teams that aren't sending their scouts because they can see it on TV. So the, the scouts can stay in wow. their cities. They continue to meet. They can watch it on TV. 
they get the official times from the now the, the the service, um, and so it prevents yeah. it prevents you from having to send all your scouts from. So from an economical standpoint, you have owners who are able to save money um, by keeping their scouts at home. I want to say the L.A. Rams last year didn't send anybody. You know, maybe just their general manager and the uh, player personnel guy and college director, but all of the regular scouts may have stayed at home. And you've seen a rise in that. I think the best you thing that is – you know who that does hurt, uh, Bucky? High velocity. Yeah, the, the, the lobby bar at the hotel. Yes, the lobby bar velocity. takes a hit when that's the truth. That's right. Oh, I mean, look, the the lobby bar has suddenly taken a hit, and now when you have like COVID and COVID restrictions, guys have kind of found ways like we don't need to send the main contingent. But now I think it's really been positive because you know before that you would have a ton of guys that wouldn't work out. Now that it's on TV, guys have grown up seeing the combine and it's kind of become an aspirational event where you want to be a part of it. You want to be the fastest man. You want to be known for the workout that you put on display. So I actually feel like it's been positive, even though it has kind of changed a little bit away of the combine operates. The Huddle Up podcast hits each Wednesday on the official Jaguars podcast network on the iHeartRadio app. Speaking of the Combine, we will have coverage from Indianapolis all week long next week. Ashlyn Sullivan and John Osher will be on the ground starting Monday. Doug Peterson and Trent Baalke are scheduled to speak to the media there Tuesday. Behind-the-scenes content and much more expected throughout the week. Stay tuned to Jaguars social media and jaguars.com for the latest from Indy. Enjoy the weekend, and thanks for listening. I'm J.P. Shadrick. We'll catch you next week on the Jaguars Broadcast Week in Review Podcast presented by TIAA Bank.